Welcome back to Blazing Trails. I'm your host, Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. And today, we're talking about redefining the fintech landscape and how companies that are doing it are placing trust at the heart of their businesses. And to tell that story, we're bringing together two executives who have tried to foster that trust in divergent arenas. One, in the physical world of gold-based lending, and the other in the world of digital investing with non-fungible tokens or NFTs. Mark Mathieu is the EVP of Digital Transformation and Innovation here at Salesforce, and he sat down with Sumit Miniar, the founder and CEO of India-based Rupeek, and Matthew Liu, the co-founder of Origin Protocol, to discuss how they get buy-in from the customer and build trust in the financial process. All right, let's get right into it. Welcome, Sumit. Uh, welcome, Matthew. Thank you, Mark. Uh, great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really excited about this conversation. Well, really great to have you both. And um, I'm going to start probably by you know uh, asking both of you to introduce uh, one another and introduce uh, what you do. So uh, it would be great if we start with you, Sumit. Clearly, some of our U.S. listeners in particular may not be familiar, not just you know, with Rupik, but with gold loans in general. So can you tell us a little bit how it works and how Rupik in, in particular works? Sure, Mark. First of all, I'd like to give a background about why gold is so important to Indians. Culturally, we have always uh, been uh, buying gold on auspicious occasions, on special occasions, and used it as a savings instrument, which provided very natural hedge against inflation. Uh, it was also highly fungible, which means in times of war, distraught, you could just pick it up and run with that. This tool, uh, which is, this asset class is monetized through gold loans. That is, loans are provided against gold as a security. It's a very popular product. So think of it like, like an overdraft limit or a credit card for a common man in India. Uh, India has a huge sum of gold, uh, you know, probably a high, one of the highest retail gold holding in, in, in the world. And yet uh, the percentage penetration is very small. So we're trying to take that percentage uh, penetration of gold loans in the gold holdings of uh, Indian retail household to a significant number. That's the mission we're right. Fascinating. So if we look at a very different end of the spectrum, Matthew, you know, you're doing quite a bunch of things actually with origin protocol from uh, nft platforms to your own coin can you break it down for me and and explain a little bit uh, you know how this came all about and uh, what what do you do what does origin protocol do yeah absolutely um so origin protocol is a blockchain platform that uh, myself and my co-founder josh founded in 2017. Um, and at the time, we had both been dabbling cryptocurrencies for a number of years, um, but really it was um, this new wave of Web3 technology that really captivated our attention around that time. Um, and what we really wanted to focus on was like, how do we enable um, consumer-friendly uh, applications uh, on the blockchain? Um, and we initially started with a uh, commerce angle. How do you enable people to actually transact um, goods and services? 
services directly on chain. Um, but as we started building our products and, and evolving, um, the company actually ended up, um, you know, narrowing out into a couple um, hot themes uh, in cryptocurrency and blockchain. And those two themes respectively are NFTs, non-fungible tokens, uh, as well as DeFi, decentralized finance. Um, and so at Origin right now, we have um, two flagship products um, in these two sub-verticals within blockchain. Uh, and we're really pushing forward, trying to bring these themes to uh, mainstream consumers, right? So Web3 is this very, very new movement, um, even though it's been you know talked about for a number of years the actual penetration um, of web3 users is still very very small compared to uh, web2 uh, and when i say web3 i'm talking about um, the new internet that we all hope to build um, that's enabled by blockchain and cryptocurrency technology um, and web3 has a couple um, distinct um, components that make it different from Web 2, right? So in Web 2, you have a lot of these um, internet uh, behemoths, whether it's Google or Facebook. Um, they've done a lot of great um, uh, things for the world and build products that everyone uses, but they also uh, manage everyone's data, right? And they monetize that data. Um, and this concept of, you know, who is able to um, own their own content and or monetize that content um, is totally lost in Web 2. But Web 3 is all about empowering the people. Uh, it's bringing power back to the people um, where there's this new concept of digital ownership. People manage their own uh, finances through their wallets, but they also manage their own digital property. Um, NFTs being one of the best examples of that. Um, and so we're really on a mission to help push Web3 forward, but in a way that makes it really easy for um, the you know multiple billions of people um, that are currently using Web2 to be able to migrate over smoothly. So uh, what I love about what both of you are doing in very, very different ways and different worlds um, uh, is, is the fact that at the heart of it, uh, is uh, uh, fundamentally the, the the topic of trust. Now, both of you need to build trust with your customer base uh, in order to achieve your respective missions, and 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 that's a topic that's very dear to my heart, to to Salesforce heart. Given trust is our number one value, so I'd love you know maybe starting again with you, Sumi, to uh, have you explain to me how. Basically, you you know, what have you learned about building trust with your customers for something as, you know, precious a transaction, you know, that potentially involves generational family heirloom? Um, how does trust, you know, become one of the fundamental values for you uh, and driver of uh, the growth, I guess, uh, of your platform? Mark, that's a great question. Um... How do you trust an individual? You trust an individual when there is consistency, when there is absolute consistency from day one, what you have communicated to the day you have executed things. Second point, which we try and do is we try to work with, uh, uh, you know, our partners, which are lending partners. We do, we, we operate in a very asset light way where we do not have any balance sheet and we work with banks. We try to work with our partners to win the trust of uh, customer base we are trying to serve. Third thing which we have done is we have built a brand over the years and invested cautiously on the consumer facing side to talk about to the extent we go to take care of their uh, precious jewelries. We, how do we manage their data? How do we manage their uh, um, you know, financial well-being by bringing the interest rates down in the system? And it's, it's a 
it's a journey which takes time uh, but staying honest and consistent about it i i think is the most important thing to be done uh, how basically has that impacted product development uh, how do you listen to customers how do you integrate you know building trust into the whole you know end to end experience sure so one important thing which we have developed very early on is to have very deep customer conversations for all leadership and their n minus 1 uh, throughout the organization we also have conversations with frontline staff who meet customer and talk to us because we we do have a, a customer facing uh, front which is in online and offline space we do talk to them to gather a lot of rich insights um of course there are tools like focus group discussion quantitative survey and what the focus is to stack rank all the insights in a logical way where uh, most important marker for trust is to be identified and then the entire organization you know does some hypothesis building that what else we can do to you know build on trust and this goes through some ab testing once we have very clear statistically proven insight that you know this is this is going to move the trust marker then a uh, product is launched or or a feature is developed or uh, you know accordingly org level changes are done so it's quite you know important for your leadership and n minus 1 to immerse with customers and uh, um, you know data driven culture to uh, come up with a final insight in terms of how you want to build your company so that's what we're trying to build that sounds great then and, uh, and matthew so again you're on a very different end again of the spectrum because in a way you operate in a so called trustless and permissionless you know world of of web3 so how you know do you build trust in that uh, trustless permissionless world you know for origin protocol for you know your coin for the, your platform and so on i I'd, i'd love to hear your thoughts on that so um as asumit was talking about these uh, collateralized loans where gold is the backing asset it actually reminded me a lot of a lot of the things that we are seeing in defi decentralized finance um and so in decentralized finance you have um you know all these different um uh, lending and borrowing opportunities um one example is um i can take my um wrapped bitcoin or ethereum uh, put that up as collateral um and then i can take a loan out from the system but what's really interesting here is the system is um just a set of smart contracts on uh on the blockchain and as long as people are interacting with it um it, it's it's permissionless and it's trustless so i don't actually need to know who the um counterparty is that's giving me um this loan it's the other people on the side on the pool their assets are giving me the loan through the smart contract and so that's created all these really interesting dynamics where um people um in um uh, parts of the world can access capital from other parts of the world um from parties that they don't really know they can access capital faster um and it's created a really interesting phenomenon that allows for things like let me take a loan out to um you know get a mortgage right and, and buy a house right um or let me take a loan out and um make a leveraged investment and so these opportunities are things that we're seeing in in defi um now all that being said um as i said earlier in the talk web3 is still fairly early in terms of user penetration um so for us as a company um we tried to build uh products that have user experiences that are fairly similar to what people might see in web2 uh, but then gradually graduate them to um these web3 experiences where they're in control of their own money um they're able to 
um, basically use their own Web3 wallets, um, but we see it as a progressively um, iterating process. Um, and so that's like how we think about um, trust as well as um, user adoption and engagement at origin. But again, all of this is based on the fundamental difference where um, the base layer technology of blockchain um, is trustless and people can trust that everything is dependable about the data, right? Even if they don't know all the other participants that they're interacting with. So in the end, do they trust the technology or you know, do they trust the community that makes up the technology or are they two sides of the same coin? Um, there's two, there are two sides of the same coin, right? So the technology enables community members to self-assemble, um, but without um, adequate community members, um, then the ability to trust in a trustless network um, decreases. So for example, if there's only um, two Ethereum miners, um, then that's not a very secure system. But because there's you know tens of thousands of nodes that are all acting um, in a coordinated fashion because of the economic incentives um, that Ethereum provides, it's very hard to uh, attack the system. Um, and so you need adequate number of ecosystem participants um, to all be um, playing within the same technology for this to happen. What similarities do you see you know, uh, between the world that you deal with and the world of Web3 and blockchain and, and NFTs? Sure. I think the most important thing which is similar in both the industries is we are serving a customer need of making things simpler for them, making things more efficient for them and, and providing them diversification, you know, uh, capital access or enabling transactions to unlock their uh, uh, household income. I think those premises remain the same largely. Uh, manifestation of how it happens through technology is going to change. And that, I believe, is going to be the way of evolution for any industry. In terms of um, the, uh, you know, <laughs> on a lighter side, the similarities, both of our asset classes are uh, speculation and intrinsic value. And I think and that that's also going to continue. The fear and greed cycles are going to dictate both worlds. It's just that gold is, uh, uh, you know, gold has been there for many thousands of years and there are a lot of believers. Um, same is going to be the case for cryptocurrencies gradually and volatility might be different in two sectors today, but eventually are going to stabilize and, and become part of portfolios. And uh, you are both in a way decentralizing finance. Do, do you think there are Web3 applications or have you been thinking about Web3 applications to your own business? Or maybe, Absolutely. Matthew, you have ideas for Sumit about how he can use Web3, you know, in the world of uh, of gold loans. I'm going to hold Matthew on that and uh, probably connect separately and take some, you know, <laughs> take some tips. Uh, but, but yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, um, the core premise of having a, a smart contract or having a uh, system where the decentralization has happened is a very powerful one. And some of the things which we can definitely, uh, we're trying to build is a blockchain-based ledger where you can actually uh, verify and keep the asset classes detail accessible to all. And what it does is that it essentially reduces the uh, requirement for vetting the gold. And again, these are theoretical experiments which we are running in a very, very uh, small scale, but idea is to understand what parts of our entire value chain can be more efficient by using Web3 technologies. Another thing, the reason we also have to, uh, you know, um, 
keep a cautious view is we operate in a highly highly regulated sector indian regulators have been much ahead of them their global peers in terms of when it comes to putting up constraint on web3 technologies and its adoption they're not against it but but i guess uh, they're being very very cautious and we come in that space yeah and if i can jump in for a sec um we're already starting to see a migration of real world assets um on chain right and um we don't need to limit it to things like um gold or, or stocks um we're also seeing it uh, in the nft world where nfts are starting to represent um less liquid assets right so nfts um themselves oftentimes are digital art but sometimes nfts can be used to represent uh, a physical art piece right or it can be used to represent a rolex or a um, hermes bag or a piece of real estate um, and these are all digital representations on chain of these physical assets um, and one of the things that we're um, now seeing is like um, once that representation is on chain um, beyond using it as collateral right as i mentioned earlier um, you can also fractionalize these nfts and so we've seen um, certain interesting case studies where uh, a piece of art um, or a um, building or a car can be fractionalized into smaller pieces. Um, and then those smaller pieces can then be sold um, to other people, allowing for fractional ownership, uh, allowing for deeper liquidity of these assets. And whenever you have deeper liquidity and more uh, global ownership, then the overall market sizes also increase. Um, and so I think there's going to be a huge, huge uh, wave in the next five, ten, 10 years or so where we're going to see a bunch of um, physical assets um, go on chain. And once they go on chain, the market cap of these um, asset classes will also increase um, as accessibility to them also increases. So, you know, Samit, your mission is, is really to, I think, create equal access to credit for every family in India. And, and so uh, how do you do that? How does it change the relationship also between your customers and the traditional financial institution that you're kind of disrupting for the greater good? Sure. That's a very interesting question, Mark. A little bit about uh, how Indians perceive gold. So it is considered as a uh, family crown jewel. And uh, it is, you know, the societal role of gold in India is to show, uh, you know, the social dominance that you have arrived in life and you 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 are providing for your family and you're doing really really well and uh, a lot of people uh, feel ashamed when they have to take capital against this uh, and put it as collateral the infatuation towards gold is not stopping we still import about 35 billion dollar gold every single year into the country and hardly monetize a fraction of it now, in order to solve this, first thing we are trying to address is to get rid of stigma because it's so socially frowned upon. How do you take a very regressive uh, process of taking loan against family jewel and make it something aspirational? So what we're trying to do is flip the narrative of the industry and make it more aspirational by launching certain products. Like we are launched Goldback credit card, which was never done. You know, gold was never used to get a credit card on which you can revolve monthly and earn points and you know manage your family credit better. And what we are seeing is 60% of our every month users are taking their life's first gold loan. So in a way, the category itself is expanding with our journey. We are also building other products like buy now, pay later. You deposit your gold with us and anywhere on the internet or in the offline world, you can uh, get 0% EMI or uh, buy now, pay later kind of product, which 
make sure that affordability for every single Indian household is higher. So these are the initiatives and uh, um, uh, you know a position change in terms of how the industry has been always considered is going to help us take that uh, six to seven percent penetration of credit um, uh, gold back credit in the country to potentially a much higher number which in lieu helps to GDP growth and also to take uh, you know uh, families well-being at a middle income segment uh, to a better place. So that's the mission we're trying to solve. And, and Matthew, what's what's interesting is you're also working on democratization of access and, and wealth through decentralization, which I believe Web3 is all about, but, but you also, in a way, are democratizing governance. Because in a way, and I, I know you, you launched last year the Origin Governance Portal, which seems to be, again, a, a way to democratize not just the access, but, but even you know, empower people to uh, contribute to uh, the direction that the platform takes or, or doesn't take, which I, I find is really uh, a point of differentiation and, and, and strengths in Web3. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, absolutely. One of the big tenets uh, of Web3 is that um, the community um, owns the um, platforms, right, as opposed to just a single company um, like uh, Google for uh, Android or Apple for iOS, for example, right? And so a lot of these projects, they start out with individual companies starting them. But the strength of what they build is really dependent on the community. Um, and so there's two things that uh, a lot of Web3 companies, including us, care about, and that's decentralized ownership, right? Um, people that participate in the network have a stake in the network, and they're able to do that by owning the origin token, um, OGN. It's a, a cryptocurrency that's listed on Coinbase and Binance and all the major exchanges. Um, and this token has um, utility properties. And one of those utility properties is around decentralized governance of the um, products and protocols that we built. Um, and so what you mentioned was the origin governance um, um, portal. Um, that's an area where community members can um, put up votes um, and they can put up proposals. And then depending on how much OGN you hold, you're able to owe, uh, vote in a democratic process. Um, and so this is like one of the big trends that's happening in Web3 that is different uh, than in Web2. Like if you're a user of Instagram, for example, right now, um, you can you know tweet at them or you can write into customer support, um, but you can't really affect um, change to the product or the business too much other than um, in aggregate, if Instagram looks at the data, they're like, okay, we'll do this or do this to build a better business. But um, their bottom line is still for um, their company, right? Um, in this new Web3 world with decentralized governance as well as decentralized um, economics and ownership, um, the community and the strength of the community can dictate um, where the project goes and how financial value accrues, uh, what product features to build, um, you know, what people to potentially hire or bring into um, the leadership team. Um, and so it's a vastly different model. Yeah, and, and it really you know, speaks a lot to uh, this uh, erosion of trust that uh, we see uh, over the last several years you know, in the add-on environmenter. Uh, there is a, a huge uh, crisis of trust in a way. And, uh, and what's fascinating is both what you and Sumit is doing is in a way, you know, contributing, I think, and creating new new ways to uh, rebuild uh, the trust that I think uh, people have lost in those, uh, you know, highly centralized uh, uh, um, entities 
that somehow don't give uh, you know lots of opportunities for people to enter if they they didn't enter you know early and uh, give them um, absolutely no opportunity to to participate to the governance to uh, to uh, help direct where the product is and how it benefits them put the user at the center at the end which i also feel sumit is is um, one thing through your platform versus the more you know traditional uh, gold loan um, uh, mechanisms you you have you have rebuilt is this uh, ability to and you talked about the trusted brand uh, but it's not just the trusted brand it's uh, i think that people trust uh, your app your people your technology uh, more than they they probably um, you know would have trusted a more centralized and uh, and uh, opaque system well absolutely i think the requirement for uh, entities and, and and that's what you know the brand of web3 stands for the trust which is moving away from a very highly centralized form to a decentralized form holds a new promise altogether uh, i think as progress and the, as awareness increases in india and look this is a long journey because asset classes go through cycles i'm sure web3 will also go through a cycle uh, after a couple of cycles you will see markets like india opening up more and more uh, you know india is an enormous market in terms of potential so we are not even scraping the surface when it comes to either matthew's business or mine so it's a long way to go um, of course his is global we but uh, indian markets can be enormous in terms of scale and depth yeah i think it's very early innings for both both businesses i really enjoyed this this conversation i i must say i can't wait for the day where coming out of this talk you know people will bring their sometime multi generational family heirloom you know, to uh, Rupik and uh, in exchange get uh, Rupik coins in their crypto wallet. And uh, I, I can't wait either for the day where people will use their NFTs in their wallet to actually, um, you know, uh, buy more gold, you know, whether it's uh, physical gold or tokenized gold. So uh, it's uh, it's fascinating to think how maybe, you know, those two words can bridge and I, I uh, really encourage you to uh, discuss offline. I'm sure that uh, there will be fantastic uh, opportunities, not just between uh, your two companies, but uh, between your two worlds, as uh, you fundamentally are on a similar mission to democratize access and uh, in, in the end to democratize uh, governance as well. So um, fantastic talk. Thank you, Sumit. Uh, thank you, Matthew, uh, for joining us today. And um, I, I hope this is only the beginning of a conversation. Yeah, I would love very much love to continue it. Thanks for having me, and it was a, a pleasure meeting you, uh, everyone here. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Mark. Uh, thanks, Matthew. Had a great chat. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. That was Mark Matthew, EVP of Digital Transformation and Innovation here at Salesforce in conversation with Sumit Miniar, the founder and CEO of Rupeek, and Matthew Liu, co-founder of Origin Protocol. If you want to learn more about their journey, go to salesforce.com slash blog slash vantage point. Thanks for listening today. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. 